Lord, thank you for Shelly. Bless her and uh, just really use her. Amen. Amen. Hey, guys. How's how's everybody doing? The front row is really intense, isn't it? It's like, hey, guys. Um, I'm going to kind of sit down because I'm not preaching. Did you know that preaching is just talking? So anyone here could probably do this because there's nothing special about me. Other than I'm the most specialist. Um, so today I want to talk about um, some things that... How's everybody doing? Everybody okay? Everybody's good? You having a good weekend? Yeah. Me too. Um, I, want to talk about, I want to talk about some things that... Um, I just I actually just was going, have been going through a really hard time in my life. <laughs> um, 2015 was probably the most one of the most epic years of my lives, life, lives, life. It's like I got in an elevator and just like went up to like a different stratosphere. So it was really amazing. It wasn't easy per se, but it was just a really awesome year for me. I had like this amazing encounter with the Lord. I met Jesus, so it was really profound. And I mean, I bought my first house, just a lot. I, I started working for some really famous people, which I mean, I didn't even know that I wanted to do that, but I did it. Um, so just a lot of different things. Like I just, like I said, it's like I got in the elevator and just like shot up into a different realm. So when I started 2016, I was like, this year is probably just going to be terrible because, like, how can it surpass last year, you know? So I had a real dread about starting 2016, and I really didn't have, like, much of a vision for it because it's like, what do I want now? That's the thing about, like, reaching your goals. It can be, like, a real downer because... Then it's like, now what do I do with my life? You know, what do I do now? I got the best job I could ever want in the entire world, but now what do I do, you know? So 2016 was really, um, has been really hard for me. And it's not like one particular thing. It wasn't like I got hit by a truck and like, you know, Whatever. It wasn't anything. No one situation happened and it was like terrible. It just, it's like every insecurity that I had like came to the surface. It was like blaring me in the face. And I was just like, where did this come from? You know? And, um, and so I had like, I really suffered like with despair. Like despair is like a heavy word. Like, despair is just like, there is nothing good in my life. There's not one thing in my life that is good. Everything is terrible. And, um, and it was because I was, like, focusing on, like, one thing that I didn't have. You know? I don't have this one thing, so everything's terrible. But, I mean, that's, that's like, how I was, that's how, like, that's basically what I was doing. So... I was really low, actually. There was a day at church um, not that long ago where I felt like I was losing my mind. 
it was scary. If anybody has ever felt like they were losing their mind, it's scary. So I sat right over there. And I had a prayer team. I was supposed to be on the prayer team after church. So I couldn't leave. I like my like follow the rules inside of me was like, you can't leave. You have work. You have to have be on prayer team after church. So you can't leave. Cause I probably might have just left. Cause I was like freaking out. So what's so crazy is during that service, Andy got up at the end. I don't even think he, he preached. He got up at the end and he said, um, two days ago or whatever, I felt like I was losing my mind. And he described exactly what I was feeling, like verbatim. And I just was like, like, is this really happening, you know? So I'm just going to talk about three things that have helped me, like, get back to square one or, like, to get back to, like, a good place. Um, so one of the things that has really helped me is community and vulnerability because Andy getting up at that, that was just, that's just an example, but Andy getting up and like sharing himself of like what he was going through. Then after that, we, he and we went to lunch together, me and his family, and he was explaining that experience to me. And, and I, you know, felt like I wasn't alone. And like feeling alone is like the biggest, is probably the biggest, scariest thing. Cause you're just like, nobody feels like this. I am crazy. Nobody else goes through these types of things. It's just me. But the thing that community brings is, is is that you're not alone. The Bible says when I went to growing up I was I've been a Christian my whole life and and we used to have to memorize scripture verses all the time like at VBS and stuff and I remember learning this particular scripture when I was a kid and it's still like I memorize it still since then. But it's bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I actually looked up another Scripture, it's Galatians 6 2, but carry one another's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. That is, that's what, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be there for one another and inspire one another and encourage one another and pray for one another. And like if you're in a relationship and you're the only one doing that, that's a problem. Like it's supposed to go both ways. So, but I mean, that example of Andy you know, that experience, and I have a girlfriend, and we both were kind of, it was a completely different um, situation, but we were both kind of going through the same thing at the same time, and one day I'd be kind of more up, you know, and I would try to encourage her, and vice versa, and like, really, if I didn't have those little pockets of community, I probably just would have like, haul up in my house with the blinds shut and like not got out of bed for like ever, you know? It was those little bits of human like touch and human like encouragement and, and inspiration from other people that helped me get through it really. And so we need each other. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So if your friend is going through a hard time, Encourage them, inspire them, pray for them, pray with them. 
we were sitting out on Andy's patio the other night, and uh, a couple weeks ago, not the other night, and he was sharing about one of his kids needing some prayer for um, for they're having a sleep issue or whatever. And so Stuart just was like, "Let's pray for her." And so we just all started praying for her, and 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 I know it's such a blessing to like be a part of a community like that where it's just like. Um, I can say, I can share in vulnerability, like, we're going through a really hard time and we need, we can't do this on our own. And, and that vulnerability that opens you up to like so much, um, so much unity and so much togetherness and that belonging that you're like missing so much in your heart. That's what it does. It gives you like this sense of belonging. Like, it's not just me. I'm not alone, you know? So, um, vulnerability and community was, is, is a huge thing. And, and I just encourage you that if, if you've been coming to QCC for a while and you don't have any, you don't feel like you have community here, be brave. You know, reach out, ask somebody to lunch, ask somebody over to your house after church to have lunch. It doesn't have to be fancy. It could be hot dogs and chips and you just hang out on your back patio and your kids run around and, and, and I'm hanging out with people that I never knew that I would hang out with. I mean, in 2016, I asked Jesus, I was like, Jesus, I need new friends. I need, I need new friends. And like the Lord's like, bing, and it's just like friends. But you have to, you, you have to be, you have to be vulnerable and show up too. And be brave. And if you want a friend like that, you got to be that friend. So if you want a friend that's going to be vulnerable and, and encourage you and inspire you and lift you up, you got to be that first, you know? So community is number one. Number two, grace. Grace. Did you know that grace is just free to you? It's like this huge banquet that's in front of you it's yours for the taken and so much so many times we don't even think about grace but it's available for us and it's 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 bountiful when i was a kid my mom her favorite word is grace and when we were kids me and annie would be fighting or whatever and she's like you need to ask jesus for grace and we were like you know, like, that's like the last thing you want to hear, you know? And she's like, you need to ask Jesus for grace. And then she'd, you know, she'd quote, you know, God gives grace, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble, right? And it's so true. It's so true. It's like, we're standing there thinking, I can handle my business. I got this. You know, I don't need grace. I like, I don't need you, Jesus. Like, you're not saying that out of your mouth, but like with your actions, with your mind, like what you're doing, you're like, I don't need you, God. I don't need your grace. I don't need your help. But the thing that you need most is his help, his grace. And you need, I have realized in this time, I have nothing without Jesus. I have nothing. Like, I, I need Jesus's grace every second of every day. To be nice, to be nice to my coworkers, to not be like, Ugh, that lady, 
Like her tone in her email just was rude, you know? I am not kidding you. (laughs) I'm like, Jesus, I need grace to be kind to these people. Like, you know, I need grace to, I need grace and inspiration for my job. You know, I need grace to be a good human being. I need grace to whatever, you know, fill in the blank. I, um, I'll give you a scripture verse since this is a church and everything. Um, there's so many scriptures about grace, but I like this one. Second Corinthians 9, 8. God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come in abundance to you so that you may always, under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything being completely self-sufficient in him and have an abundance for every good work and act of charity. Like that really doesn't leave anything out. It's like everything is covered under this. And, and so I just would encourage you to ask Jesus for grace. If you feel that like, Like, you know, everybody has that where they feel like they ran out of kindness or they feel like they ran out of ease, that ease that, you know, you have some days where you just feel like life just feels, there's just like an ease to it. That's not you, honey. That's grace. (laughs) It's not because you, you know, whatever. It's nothing you did. That ease is grace. And so when you run out of that and it's like, feels like, like, it's just like, I don't even want to get up today. Say, Jesus, I need grace. I need grace to be a good human today. I need grace to be nice to my kids. I need grace to want to make dinner for my husband. I need, you know, whatever it is. Like, nothing is too small or too big when it comes to grace. God's just like, let me give you some more. Let me give you some more. And I guarantee you, once you start asking for it and you see that in your life, you'll become addicted to asking for grace. And that is why... My mom's favorite word is grace because she's like, there's literally nothing that you can't do if you have God's grace and you got to ask for it. So grace, community, grace. And the last, but I think it's been the most powerful for me is thanksgiving. In the days that I was the most despairing, I couldn't find one thing good in my life. There's nothing good. Which is like, like in like retrospect and like perspective of looking at my life, there are so many good things, it's ridiculous. There's like a ridiculous amount of good things. And like, it doesn't even have to be, I mean, it's just like God gave me the parents that I have. Like... They're just, I mean, they're totally human and totally not flawed in their own ways, but God gave me them as parents. And like, that's something that I can be grateful even on a really nothing in my life is good day. I can walk. I have two feet, two legs, two arms, two eyes, two ears. My heart beats, my lungs breathe. Like, there's just so many things you could be thankful for, even when everything in your life is like completely terrible. And like, the thing about Thanksgiving, the Bible is chocked full of give thanks, give thanks. 
sacrifice, a thanksgiving. Thanks, thanks, thanks. It's like the Bible is like it's one of the main words in the Bible is thanksgiving, thanks, thankfulness. And it talks about a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And some days it is a sacrifice. I start almost every, I mean, I do. I start every single day with making a list of things that I'm thankful for. Every single day. Even, even if I'm like in a hurry and I'm like, I don't have time for this. I need to, I think like, Shelly, this is your medicine. You have to do this before you start anything. And so I sit down. And I pull out my book, and some days it's just like, I'm like, oh, I could just keep going and going and going. But then there are some days I'm like, what am I thankful for? <laughs> oh, I'm serious. And I know you know that's true. You're just like, oh, there's really nothing to be thankful for today, you know? It's raining outside and. I got to come to this job that I don't like. And, you know, you can get, you can make that your focus and then you really do not, don't have anything to be thankful for. But like, like I said, you, I mean, that's not even talking about salvation or the Holy Spirit and all that, what that means. And like, I mean, there's so much to be thankful for. And, and I think that, um, I mean, the Bible talks, like I said, there's so many scripture, scripture verses about Thanksgiving, but one that I that you probably hear all the time is First Thessalonians five eighteen, and it says, "In everything, give thanks. Everything, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Give thanks in everything." Like there's been like, I mean, everybody has bad stuff happen to them. You don't get what you think you want, and you're just like, you know, ugh. How does that person have that? And I don't have that. Like, you know, like I'm a way better person than they are. And they get that. Oh, you know. And so you can just, we all think it. Come on. And, um, but the thing is, is like even in that, even in like circumstances like that, like maybe I'm not thankful for that situation at the time. But later on, if I get some perspective, I'm like, Thank you, Jesus, that I didn't marry that guy. Ooh! You know? You, like, for instance, you think you wanted to marry this guy, say, you, or girl, whatever. And then it doesn't work out, and you're just like, oh, oh, how did that happen? How did I not get to marry him? And then, like, six months pass, and you're just like, oh, thank you, Jesus, I didn't marry that man. Ooh! Dodged a bullet, you know? Seriously, but like I think that it's it's just good. Maybe maybe not all circumstances are like that. No, granted, I understand. There's very difficult things that we don't even understand why they're happening, and I think in those times, you have to even more hold on to thanks thankfulness. Like the times where you're just like, this isn't fair. This isn't right. I don't deserve this. Like this isn't even. I mean. You have to hold on to thankfulness in those times even harder because if not, you're sunk, you know? So in, um, you know, in my life, Thanksgiving, it, it, it causes, it kind of grows. So I've been, you know, I, I, I do that every day. I write down my thankfulness, things that I'm thankful for every single day. And um, 
thankfulness, it's kind of like it sends out a gentle ripple of joy and gratitude that continues to expand and expand and expand. So soon you start just feeling like, my life is glorious, you know? It really does. It kind of just, it grows like having a thankful heart. It just, it like the Lord is so attracted to that. He's so attracted to that. He's like, um, a couple weeks ago, Randall said that God has a weakness and it's you. And he said, God is so attracted to weakness. And Thanksgiving is weakness. That's saying, I am thankful for something that I didn't get, like it was given to me. And that's how we need to view our lives. None of it is not your job. You might be the best whatever in your job, in your field, and you have the best job, but you didn't get that job. God gave it to you. God gave you the brains to know how to figure stuff out and to be the best that there is. Nothing that you have is just yours on your own merit. It's not. So that weakness just... That God is so drawn to that weakness in us. And so, and so I just feel like whenever I'm thankful, like this flood of joy and this flood of life, and I don't know, it energizes me to be thankful, you know? And so I would encourage you this week, try it out. Maybe. Just try it out. Maybe something you could do with your husband or your wife or your kids or something that you could do in your private time of just like doing every single day, writing down something that you're thankful for. And it could be something huge or it could be something really small. Like this morning, I was thankful that my car is under like a, like a garage thing and I get to walk down my, walk out of my building and it's completely covered and I never have to worry about getting rained on. I'm thank, I was truly thankful for that this morning. I was like, thank you, Jesus. My car is on, is covered and I don't get, have to get wet, you know? But, or it could be like, I'm thankful for salvation and I'm whatever. But I would, I would encourage you to try that out this week and see how it changes your perspective. Okay. That's it. I hope you're catching what Shelly's given because grace, grace is a, it's a river. It's a river running from the throne of God. And I could feel it coming down on us even when Shelly was speaking just now. Um, I don't really quite know how to give you what I have this morning. You know, sometimes we don't need a coherent message, but we need to just have the heart of the Lord revealed. Amen. And um, the old Pentecostals, they talked about uh, being under a weight of glory, and I feel that this morning right now, and I only can describe it as like the membrane between heaven and earth gets really thin at times. And I know Jesus is always with us, the Spirit is always with us, but there is this other part of the Spirit where it's, it's not the Spirit within, but it's the Spirit upon. And I feel that right now, and I know in my life I feel it in those times when I'm physically weak, whether I I might be exhausted, I might have a lot of pressure on the outside circumstances of my life, and I get to a place where um, I become tender to the Lord because I'm I'm out of strength in myself. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So um, 
there's one part of me that wants to resist that with all that I am. But there's another part of me that has learned how to enter into that season or into that space because it's in that space that tears are really available to me. And I've always found that tears connect me to the Lord too. Robin said something to me this morning. I, I tweeted it right away. He didn't even ask me to do it. I, he said, you know, Andy, um, you can't be a happy Christian unless you have a, if you don't have a broken heart. I thought, man, that's the story of my life. That's the story of my life. I feel really happy. I, I'm a happy person. But I've, I've had heartbreak. I've had situations in my life where I have messed up in ways that have affected people around me. Or I've had bad things happen to me where, um, where the only thing I could do was fall on my knees and lift my hands. And it felt like God had abandoned me. But really, at the same exact time, I never felt closer to him. Have you ever had that feeling or that experience where you, you, it seems like all is lost, but you've just gained the entire universe at the exact same time? It's a very unique situation because it's not something you always want to live in. I mean, it is good to have mundane days. It's good to have days where you're just going to church and you're not, you know, the heavens aren't falling open on you. But on the other side, it's really good when those days happen too. And as a church, as the body of Christ, we actually need those, those moments in our lives. And I think today is one of those moments. I didn't particularly uh, expect it. Actually, that's how these things work. They come when you least expect them. That's how the Lord comes. He comes when you least expect it. And I want to share a word with you. Uh, I, I prepared two messages this morning because I wasn't sure exactly where Shelley was going to go, but I don't think I'm going to use either one. So, um, Blake Edwards called me on Monday and he shared this thing with me that was so good. I thought to myself, man, I would never share that from the pulpit because it's way too dangerous. But here I am. I'm going to share it with you this morning. (laughs) But we had done the song. We we had done Sarah's song, King of My Heart, um, which, which by the way, is going around the world right now, and I think there's a reason for it, but I, I, I want to own that song for this church in particular because it was birthed in this church, it came out of this church, and I just feel like there's a prophetic edge on that song for us right now, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why. But, but I, was sitting, I was sitting on the couch in the offices across the street, and I was doing my things that I do on Monday morning, which is you know just basically administrative work, and I started thinking about what I'm going to do the next Sunday. I'm sitting there doing all that stuff, Blake calls me out of nowhere. We don't talk often, um, but he's not one of those people whose calls I ignore, you know. So when he calls me, I pick up the phone. So he calls me. He says, Andy, I got this thing that the Lord just showed me, and, and I'm, I don't know what to do with it. It's a little bit dangerous, but I, I just feel the Lord on this. And I, and I said, oh, man, I'm interested in hearing that. He says, Andy, you know that song, King of My Heart? I love that song so much. He said, the backside of that song when, when, when we start singing to the Lord, um, how's that song go? You are good, you are good. There's another part to that song. You're never going to let me down. He said, I was driving in my car and I started singing that song. And I was singing it to the Lord and I, and I felt quickened by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said this, Blake, I want you to sing that to yourself, but I want you to hear it like I'm singing it to you. You're never going to let me down. 
And it caught him by surprise because in his little brain, he's let the Lord down plenty of times. In his mind, he's actually had more feelings of um, failure before the Lord than success. He's had a greater sense of need and um, maybe um, shortcoming before the Lord than, than feeling like he had gotten it all right. But, but the genius of following Jesus is this, is that when we begin to trust him in a way that he's, when we believe him, when he says, you're never going to let me down, when we begin to trust in that, it goes from you and I having faith in God and living in the faith of God. I know that's, that's, that's a different way of looking at it because maybe you've heard your whole life you've just got to have faith in God, which is kind of true. It's important. But you know whose faith is better than your faith? Jesus' faith. God's faith is... He has all the faith. <laughs> so the task then becomes that we lean into Jesus and we trust in his faith. And we, we trust in the faith of God this morning. Have you ever made a mistake in your life? Have you ever needed the grace of God to just like overwhelm you like a flood? <laughs> but what a beautiful picture when God would come to his people and say, you're never going to let me down. The only obvious question is, how could that be, Lord? I've let you down so many times. But he's like, but I'm doing my work in you. You just have to lean on my grace. You have to lean on my power. You have to trust in my faith over all of this. You know, the Bible talks about two gardeners. One gardener is found in the book of Ecclesiastes, and his name's King Solomon. And he starts out the book of Ecclesiastes by saying this. He says, everything is meaningless. Nothing has meaning. And he makes this really profound statement. He says, I looked everywhere and there was nothing new under the sun. So then he goes on to list all of these things that he did. He, he built mansions. He, uh, he gathered wives. He had many wives. He gathered wealth of all sorts. He created the most beautiful gardens that, that the world had ever seen. And at the end of all of that that achievement, after gathering all of those extraordinary things to himself, the only conclusion that he could come up with was this. Nothing has meaning. There is nothing new under the sun. How many of you have ever heard that quoted, like that that's an actual reality? Like people like flippantly say that. There's nothing new under the sun. There's, there's another gardener, and his name is Jesus. And he says this extraordinary thing. Well, he says a few extraordinary things, doesn't he? Yes, it's kind of what he does. But, but on one hand, you have Solomon, who's gathered everything unto himself, and he's made himself the center of the world, and he's, he's, he's brought about... Um, 
everything into his orbit and he realizes that nothing has meaning. And Jesus is sitting on, on the Mount, Sermon on the Mount, and he's going the exact opposite direction as Solomon, and he's relinquishing everything into the earth. He's giving away everything to everybody all of the time. He's not holding anything unto himself, and he's telling the world, this is the way. Give it away. Humble yourself. Be gentle. Be peaceful. All of these things that we've been talking over in the last five weeks or so. And Jesus eventually says this in stark contrast. In stark contrast to King Solomon, who says there's nothing new under the sun. Jesus comes in Revelations 21, verse 5, and says, Behold, I make everything new. Both are in the Bible, but one of them is more true than the other. Behold, I am making all things new. I am giving away grace today. I am giving away faith today. I am giving away joy today. I'm giving away strength to you in your time of need. I'm giving away my mind. Jesus is saying, I'm giving my mind to you this morning. And you, if you felt like you've failed, if you felt like you've let Jesus down, if you felt like you've not measured up, Jesus is saying, behold, I make Everything new. And you can trust in that more than anything else. More than the failure. More than the misgiving. More than the misunderstanding. More than the misstep. You don't have to hold those things closer to you than you, you hold this. Jesus saying, behold, I am making all things new. So let's just ask the Lord for that right now. Short and sweet, amen? <laughs> That's my little TED Talk sermon this morning. <laughs> I knew I couldn't preach too long after, after that great word by Shelley, but Robin, do you, do you want me to just pray or do you want to come up? or Okay. When Andy was talking, he, he had mentioned to me that verse um, where Jesus said, Behold, I make all things new. And there's another one in 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? New A new creation. Old things have passed away. Then it says, Behold, all things have become new. And I asked Andy, I said, Andy, why do you think in those verses he said behold it's because you can miss it you can you and your life can walk right by what God's doing you know Andy mentioned um, God's faith and you think well how does that work I, I don't know how it works <laughs> but I know Amen. Galatians 2.20 says for I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ 
lives in me and the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. And it's like if you look at faith, your faith withers up. If you're beholding faith or process, it withers up. But you're not supposed to be looking at faith. You're looking at Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. And when you hear what he says, you know, you can literally walk out of this room today and begin to understand that he's made everything in your life brand new. You may not see it, but one, one, one of the aspects of faith that I think is neglected is speaking into our own lives those things that don't seem to be true, that God says are true. Does that make sense? That's really a major aspect of being a Christian because you're going to have contradictions. What was that other word we were talking about? It wasn't contradiction. It was paradoxes. So I told Andy, you can't be consistently happy as a Christian unless you have a broken heart. Well, that doesn't sound right. Well, it's, it's the brokenness in your heart that provides the capacity for the goodness and the joy and the pleasure of God to reside in you. It's that arrogant, self-focused, self-confident thing that keeps the presence of God from helping us. Um, I read this out of, out of uh, Genesis. It said, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Say that with me. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What kind of grace? The grace to build an ark that took him hundreds of years. Crazy grace. Big grace. Amazing grace. <laughs> and so I thought, oh, if he found grace in the eyes of the Lord, all I got to do is look to the Lord and I'll find grace. And I had this new doctrine percolating, you know. And the Lord said, well, what if I'm not looking at you? And I went, oh, man, there went my corner on the market of how to make this thing work. He threw me a curveball. But then I saw this, and it really goes along with Shelley's message in Isaiah 66, and actually in Isaiah 57 as well. Let me, let me get there and read this. This is too good to miss. Isaiah what? 66. Okay, I want to see if you want to see if I was paying attention. I am. Isaiah 66, verse 2. But on this one will I look. So I was saying, oh, I have, all I have to do is look at the Lord and I'll get grace from his eyes. For Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But on this one will I look, the Lord is speaking, on him who is poor and of contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. In other words, the way you qualify, this is good, the way you qualify for the grace of God is by being disqualified. So 
See, we think we got to come up to something to get something, but you can't come up until you get, and you can't get until you recognize you, you just need help. Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place. I thought, that's a rough place to try to live, you know, because that's scary. Then he says, with him who has a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. And what that means is, he, you don't have to qualify. The idea behind grace is it's for unqualified people. That's the whole concept of it. It's for unqualified people. It's for mistake-prone, foolish, foolhardy people or troubled people. Or and, and see, the enemy wants to say, well, you can't get from God until you straighten up. You can't straighten up till you get from God. Ain't no straightening up. And that's, that's the danger of pride, is pride condemns people that need grace. That's how God resists people in their arrogance, is he, the, the, um, our, our attitude restricts the flow. It's not that God won't give, really. I think he does give, even when we are doing it wrong. But the arrogance restricts what it is that's available. Because God doesn't withhold. He's not a withholder. He's a giver of every good and perfect gift. He causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. When Jesus talked about the parable of the sower, the sower threw seed on hard ground, soft ground, stony ground. He threw seed everywhere. But your ground's got to be a little bit prepared. How many of you feel, feel weeded and plowed? Like your heart's a little torn up. That's, that's, I don't, God doesn't tear up people's hearts, but people who have torn up hearts, He's drawn to. Yeah, he is. People who don't know what to do next, He's drawn to. Yeah. People who've done the wrong thing for the wrong reasons and are suffering the consequences, He's done to. Here's who God is God is the one who who wants to help um, people who've done the wrong thing for the wrong reasons. That's a pretty good God I'm thinking right there. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do your best to... See, here's what the law does. The The law says this is the way a godly life is lived. But what it doesn't do is help you do it. It just shows you where you're off so that you can go to the one who can help you live that way. Actually, the law stimulates sinful behavior if you trust, try to trust in it and obey it for righteousness' sake. But the Lord is good. He loves failures. He loves to draw near people who are hurting. He doesn't want people sick or infirmed. He, he really doesn't. So let's ask the Lord for grace. Let's say, Lord, give me grace. Let's just say that very simply. Lord, give me grace. 
more and more. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's great to see all you problematic, troubled people here this morning.